morning, church. Good to be here again and see some very familiar faces, old friends. I remember the first time I spoke in this church was in 1975, 48 years ago. Second time, 1995. And 2023, third time here in this church. And in between, uh, three times I think I've interacted or spoke at the MYF meetings and one time with the intermediate MYF. So it's a, a, a little bit of history. Let's take a look at the uh, PowerPoint. Okay, this is our meditation for this morning on Psalm 146. The Lord lifts up based on verse 8. Nah? Uh, taken from a part of verse 8, the Lord lifts up. Ah, okay, this, sorry. So this, uh, for our introduction, today as we have never seen before, very depressing and escalating concerns on personal, national and international levels. We are concerned about developments relating to the economy, terrorism, cost of living, racism, hypocrisy and uh, deception, lack of integrity, corporate governance, and uh, transparency issues, manipulative politics and education. Where then is our help and hope? People tend to turn to many different sources for direction, comfort and encouragement. Where do you turn to? As people of God, today, we turn to a principal source, the Bible, and see what it has to say to us. When in trouble, what better place to search for answers than God's holy word? I used to work in uh, two uh, Fortune 200 companies. One of them is listed in the book, uh, In Search of Excellence. Uh, we have, it's a very... Uh, old company with a, a lot of manuals, uh, if the headquarters, uh, the ma operating manual, they have the Asia Pacific and also we have the local manuals. So whenever we face a situation which we cannot uh, resolve, we say, let's take a look at what the operating manual says. And most of the time you will find answers and guidelines, even telling you what to say when you meet bankers, and so on and so forth. This morning, let us take a look at Psalm 146. The first of the last five Hallelujah Psalms described as characteristic hymns of descriptive praise by Van Jumeren, used as part of daily prayers in synagogue worship to see what God 
has to say to us today. The book of Psalms has been described as a unique anthology of songs composed and organized in stages over the course of Israel's history. It preserves a sample of inspired music used by individuals and the community for worship in God's temple. These are the words from John Walton as an introductory uh, comment to the book of Psalms. Though not definitive, this psalm is probably post-exilic. Let us go to a lot and pray before we continue. Our Father, we pray that you may open the eyes of our hearts that we can see, we can hear and learn from the precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From our outline, the first, after the introduction, is a call to praise based on verse 1 to 2. In a burst of joy and personal thankfulness, the psalmist summons his audience to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul, based on verse 1. Feel the exuberance and the warmth in his spirit. And even though we have not no knowledge of what happened to him. Praise, my friends, is a major and powerful theme in Scripture. Under what circumstances do we praise God? Surprisingly, praise in the Old Testament arose out of a religion and a nation under almost constant stress. Praise is also prominent in the New Testament in spite of frequent persecution. For example, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, which was written in prison. The psalmist continues to encourage praise by his personal commitment as he declares, I will praise the Lord with all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. And highlighted for you are the words in uh, like blue, eh? all my life as long as I live. You can see that lifelong commitment of the psalmist. Again, in, uh, we read in Psalm 104, uh, uh, 104 verse 33 on the PowerPoint. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. You see again the lifelong commitment all my life, as long as I live, as repeated in this Psalm 104. When was the last time you praised God? Next part of meditation is who not to trust, based on verse 3 and 4 of uh, this Psalm 146. In his commitment to praise God, the psalmist cautions against putting trust on princes and mortal men, as you can find this in verse 3 to 4. It says, 
Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. I highlighted the key words here in praise, princes, mortal men cannot save. To return to the ground, plans come to nothing. Why princes and mortal men? It is a literal, literary manner of including all of mankind, both lowly and exalted, as uh, highlighted by Van Germeren in his writings. Praising God implies a renouncing of human dependency. Psalm 118, verse 8 to 9, share a similar association. Uh, dissociation. Let's take a look at it. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That's a Psalm 118, verse 8 to 9. Why not trust in princes and mortal men? Answer can be found in this psalm that we are meditating on, verse 3 and 4. Why? Verse 3, who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, the plans come to nothing. Verse 4. What? would you consider will be the richest place in the world? Any idea? May I suggest to you is the cemetery. Richest place in the world for unfulfilled dreams, plans and projects. I always encourage people the two places is good to visit on and off the cemetery and the hospitals to remind us about the, the frailty of our life, how short, uh, we, our, how short span is our life. And the cemetery, a place where there are unfulfilled dreams, plans and projects. In other words, man has no control over his own destiny, let alone the the welfare of others. Though details are not stated, the psalmist is also sharing his personal disillusionment and disappointment from seeking help from royalty and common men. Let's take a look at the next part of our meditation. Then, who to trust? You don't, don't trust um, princes and mortal men, and who to trust? Answer, verse 5 to 10a. If we cannot trust princes and mortal men, who then do we trust? Repeated again, I repeated here. The psalmist declares blessedness for those whose help and hope are vested 
in God. In acknowledging God's help and hope, the psalmist shares his testimony and witness with his congregation. Let's take a look at the last part of meditation, that is God the Creator, based on verse 5 to 6. Who is this God, you may ask? Answer. Verse 5. Who is this God, Israel's helper and hope? Creator or maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Verse 6. In short, the one we are placing the trust is the Creator, the Creator of everything. And not only that, the Lord who remains faithful forever. Let's take a look at our next part of meditation. Is God the sustainer. He's not only the creator, but he's the sustainer. Every day, I, well, in my opening time of prayer and devotion, I thank God for his providence and his sustenance of my life and those of my family. He is the God, the sustainer, and based on verse 7 to verse 9. What does this God do? He upholds the cause of the oppressed. Verse 7. Gives food to the hungry. Verse 7. Sets the prisoners free. Verse 7. Gives sight to the blind. Verse 8. Lifts up those who are bowed down. The key verse there, the, which we take for our meditation, is lifts up the Lord, lifts up those who are bowed down. Loves the righteous, verse 8. Watches over the alien. Sustain the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked, verse 9. You see, our God, the compassionate God, acts very positively. Note the words he used uh, use in this particular uh, psalm. Upholds gives, sets, gives, lifts up, loves, watches, and sustains. The groups of people very close to God's heart are those oppressed, hungry, prisoners, blind, who are bowed down, Righteous, alien, fatherless, and widow. Very in line also the teaching from the book of James. Fatherless and the widow. The reverse, the reverse of God's compassion is directed towards evil and wickedness. As he says in verse 9, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. And history has shown us how God frustrates evildoers and the ways of the wicked. Example, you can recall the days of Nazism under Hitler. 
the falling of the Berlin Wall, communism. And you shall see also in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ how all these evil, evil doers and ways of the wicked are overcome. The Lord, in verse 8, lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous, again in verse 8, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. One of the, artic the devotional article in our daily break is entitled Looking Up. And I, it says here, an article in the Surgical Te Technology International Journal says that looking down at a smartphone, uh, this is a reminder to my two children, uh, with the head bent forward, is the equivalent of having 60 pounds weight on your neck. And he says that when we consider the millions of people around the world spend an average of two to four hours daily reading and texting, the result, resulting damage to neck and spine becomes a growing health concern. And this writer continues to share with us, and he says, it is always also easy to become spiritually bowed down by the burdens of life. How often we find ourselves discouraged by the problems we face and the needs of those we love. The psalmist understood the weight of concern and yet saw hope as he wrote about the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, and who remain faithful forever. It upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord lifts up the righteous. And the writer concludes, when we consider God's care, His great power, and His loving heart, we can begin to look up and praise Him. He can, we can walk through each day knowing the Lord reigns forever for all generations. He lifts up when we are bowed down. Praise the Lord, unquote. There's another write-up uh, prior to this is uh, entitled Chin up. It talks about a homeless man who spent a whole year looking down at the pavement as he plodded around the city day after day. Because this man was ashamed to meet the eyes of others in case they recognized him, for his life had not always been lived out on the streets. Even more than that, he was intent on finding a coin that had been dropped or a half-smoked cigarette. His downward focus became such a habit that the bones of his spine began to become fixed in that position so that he had great difficulty in straightening up at all. So he'll be walking this manner. Okay, very hunched. And the writer on this meditational material 
shares that the prophet Elisha's servant was also looking in the wrong direction and was terrified at the huge army of the kings of Aram's had sent to capture his master. But Elisha knew that he was seeing only the danger and the size of the opposition. He needed to have his eyes open to see the divine protection that surrounded them, which was far greater than anything Aram could bring against Elisha. And this writer concludes, he was actually writing on, uh, based on the book of Hebrews, never mind, uh, when life is difficult and we feel we are under pressure, it is so easy to see nothing but our problems. But the author of the letter to the Hebrews suggests a better way. He reminds us that Jesus went through unimaginable suffering to a place and that we fix our eyes on him. He will strengthen us, unquote. Talking about homeless people, I still remember an article in the uh, Time magazine. Uh, there are a lot of people in Japan at that time who were homeless. So what they do is every day they dress up in suits so, and then go off from the home as, as if they are going to work. Actually, they are homeless. And then they will go to a construction site, change the suits, put in somewhere, and then they will work in the construction site away from the their own city so that people don't recognize them. Then when they finish work, they wash up and then change into the business suit and, and uh, go home. Okay? So people think that this guy is a high-paying high uh, executive, <laughs> not knowing that he's a construction worker. Let's move on to the next part of our meditation. God, the King, based on verse 10a. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. The psalmist again emphasized God reigning forever in the uh, light blue words for all generations. For the earthly king, He reigns for a certain period. But for the king that we worship, the Lord reigns forever. No change needed, as in the case of the demise of an earthly king. God is sovereign and in full control of history, circumstances, and the future forever and for all generations. A king with power and authority to rule can you find a better king to praise and to serve? Let's look at the next part of meditation. Call to praise based on 10b. Call to praise. How many of you like layer cake? Layer cake. How many of you like... Uh, Layer burger, uh, McDonald's nearby. Uh, you, can, you can put in layers and all that. Uh, if you analyze Psalm 146, you will see something like a sandwich. First, you have verse 1 and 2, call to praise. 
Then you have God the Creator, 5 to 6, verse 5 to 6. And then in the center, God the Sustainer, verse 7 to 9. Then again, you have an emphasis on God the King, verse 10a. And then concluding with call to praise, 10b. You see, in the center, God the Sustainer is what uh, can be described as connective tissue, uh, connecting tissue. Okay. God the Sustainer holding the top two layers and the bottom two layers together. A very fitting conclusion with a renewal call to praise uh, the song of personal and corporate thanksgiving. Someone shared the following very insightful words. The glory and majesty of God and all His works are to fill men's hearts and find expression in their word and weakness. This becomes so overpowering to a man's mind and heart that he must break out in some utterance. When you sense the, the majesty and the glory of God, even stones also will, will burst up, you know, uh, to praise God because it's so great and majestic. Praise is the mark of the people of God. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, the emphasis is again, people who declare the praise of him who call you out of darkness and his wonderful light. And the mark of an unbeliever, on the contrary, is his refusal to praise God. As Paul writes in Romans 1, 21. For although they know God, although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and the foolish hearts were darkened. Highlighted then, neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. It's a very obvious uh, result huh, of unbelief. Therefore, my friends, behind the act of praising is an intimate relationship with a God who is praised. Humility is the right response to God's holiness. And praise is our heart's response to His forgiveness. So writes Jennifer Benson, truth in our daily break uh, in uh, 2016. Before this, may I share also another uh, excerpt here from uh, this lady. She was writing on, based on Psalm 51, praise from pure heart, and she has written the words, the Psalm one we are the red, Humility is the right response to God's holiness and praise in a heart's response to His forgiveness. 
time for reflection. Uh, this is the outline we have gone through so far this morning uh, as we reflect and conclude. Whatever your circumstances are today, I'm sure many of us have gone through a lot, nah, especially with the MCO over three years or more. Many businesses were affected, many people lost their jobs. Uh, sometimes uh, putting food on the table uh, can become a problem, okay, or paying for your children's education and so on. But whatever the circumstances are today in the area of finance, health, aging, relationship, and emotional makeup, the psalmist exhorts his readers to first praise the Lord. Secondly, trust not princes and mortal men, but to trust God and God alone, who is his help and hope for who he is as creator and king and what he does as sustainer. Number three, remember the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down among his other sustaining activities. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. Goodwill ultimately will triumph over evil and wickedness. As we reflect over the insights and spiritual truth shared by the Samis, it is instructive for us to review our faith and relationship with God. That we learn to look up, not down. An umbrella may be a common and ordinary apparatus. In the picture which I'll share with you shortly in the PowerPoint, an umbrella helps us to visualize how we can face adversities in our lives. And somebody sent this to me many years ago, so I thought it was very uh, insightful. Huh? Faith, I will caption the faith and, as an umbrella. May I invite you, if you can see the words, huh, to read it together with me? Is it all right? An umbrella cannot stop the rain, but it allows us to stand in the rain. Just like faith in God, it may not remove our trials, but it gives us God's strength to overcome them. I thought it's a very beautiful uh, thought here, uh, standing in the rain. And I caption it as faith as an umbrella. My dear friends, as we conclude, check your faith umbrella. What is its condition? Does it have holes in it? Can it keep you dry from the rain? May God bless us all as we ponder over these questions. Amen.